Hi, friends. I'm Chandra Sanchez. And I'm Misha Lazera. And you're listening to Bandwives. So I was going to text you this, but I wanted to tell you in person yesterday, I got a letter from Avis <laughs> and I thought to myself, is this a refund for all of the trauma that they put us through? And I excitedly opened the envelope and inside was a ticket. <laughs> oh no. For what does it say? Driving in a ZTL? It was our very first ticket. Yeah. 48 euro. I know. Um, I'm sorry. I feel like I owe you 48 euro and we'll pay you back. Honestly, the novelty of it made me happier than the 48 euro could ever make me. I was very, I was so proud. We knew it was coming. But it's only one. So far. One. (laughs) Oh, well, honestly, I would be more upset except for that last day. I'm just glad we are alive. I know. And it made me, it made me feel a little closer to Italy oh, as I've been a uh, very nostalgic. I'm not going to lie to you. Remember the, well, we, the rental car thing was crazy. I don't even know if we really fully talked about how wild the rental car situation was no. on here, but we first got there to the rental place and we were a couple hours behind when I made the reservation. And so they had canceled it, the reservation, but not the, the fee because it was with a third party like kayak and, and it was kayak. If they're yeah. listening, they Which, hustled and you. They hustled me. And so then they just said, sorry, you can't have your car. So then we had to go to Avis and get this other car that was twice as expensive. And so I file on my Chase app. I was like, well, I'm going to contest this because I didn't get the car. And it, and it went through right away. You know how they do? And it just charged me back just this week. A reversal. What does that mean? I guess VIP cars or the kayak thing fought it. And I was like, also not even, I was just like, I can't, I can't continue to deal with this. No. But isn't that. That's what how they get you. Yeah. I was unaware that there was no help for the consumer on that end. Anything international, they just like don't have control of, which feels like a very naive uh, American thing to say now that I'm saying it. But <laughs> it feels like if you're a global company and you're offering vehicles in another country, you would have some protections. Expedia looking at you too. Yeah, both of them. And they both misrepresented the charges. Mm-hmm. And and if it was true that you have an hour, you only can get your car reservation. What what if your flights are delayed? I mean, it's insane. Yeah. And then they get to keep your money. Yeah. What if you're waiting for the shuttle for one hour and we, talking we did wait to strangers? <laughs> Bus stop. Might have hated us or loved us. We couldn't tell. <laughs> it was both. Oh, well, we're coming off the cusp of a very exciting spring break. How was your vacation? How was the beach? It was amazing. I've speaking of rentals or, you know, like traveling. It's my first time staying at a place that didn't have sheets or towels or toilet paper, or paper towels or dishes or anything. And because it's owned by a real estate company oh. and so not a homeowner. And that was I mean, the car was a full a huge suitcase full of just sheets because we got a lot of people 
you know, there was everyone got their own bed because there's twin beds for the kids and all stuff. So I, I don't know that I would choose that route. I've never heard of that. Like, I, I mean, I know that there are management companies that like Airbnb at their properties, but I've never heard of them providing zero amenities. So it the beach was amazing and we had so much fun, but for all the packing and laundry, we would, we, we just kind of wish we'd, we could have stayed longer, but I mm-hmm. still had to work, even though the kids had, I wasn't on spring break. So yeah, that's the challenging part about breaks. We went to the Poconos, as you know. Yeah, it was amazing. And the beauty of of our trip was that we went with two other couples um, who are all working from home as well through the break. (laughs) So it's like, you know, four people are on a conference call and then one is like making lunch for all the kids. So it's more of like a commune environment, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, I think we saw our kids a total of like one hour. This sounds like a dream life to me. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds amazing. I love the word Poconos and I have always wanted to go there. What is it? What is it? It's mountains, right? Mountains. Yeah. There was a lake beach or is it on the ocean as well? So we rented um, an Airbnb through a management company that was in this community, this like gated Mm -hmm. private community with multiple lakes. They have uh, basketball courts, tennis courts, a pool, jacuzzi, just everything kind of on site. So you really don't need to leave the community, which is really nice. And then there are tons of hiking trails. Uh, We went one day and rented like UTVs. Oh, yeah. And it was so (laughs) much fun. We thought it was going to be less of a commitment than it actually was. But, um, you know, I'm out in like my Louis Vuitton sunglasses. Like, I don't need that. I don't need the goggles. I'm fine. By the end of it, we were crying laughing because everybody had like complete... (laughs) black dirt mud face around their sunglasses it was we took like a pebble to the tooth um it was so funny and the kids had such a blast the majority of them you know the the fancier children were like uh I asked my friend's little girl like did you have the best time and she said I actually hated that (laughs) oh I'm glad she can be honest and just be like that's not for me yeah I was like yeah it's not your thing that's cool Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just a great low stakes holiday. So nice to be home, back in the grind, getting ready. Claude goes on tour next week, which I'm still kind of in denial about. Yeah, I haven't even heard much of this. I honestly, I guess I didn't realize it was so soon until you told me earlier today. Where is it US? It's US. It's like a month. Uh, And then he's home for like a week and then back out for all of June. So uh, honestly, it snuck up on me. We've been just like completely doing whatever. And I'm like, holy shit, this is like here, which I am sad about because I'm going to miss him very much, but I am excited to have like full days of not hanging out. So I can actually get some work done because <laughs> I've done nothing. I, you've done nothing. I've been not, I'm not nothing. I'm glad for you though. I mean, I'm good for you. Just go with the flow. Just logistics stuff. Like I haven't done any real good writing in since we really, since we got back. Why those trips are so important. I was thinking about how much work I get done. And now my revisions are due in two weeks. Oh. And I'm I'm trying to not implode emotionally. But like you said, you also just, you get your work done when you can. And we got a lot done there. And I'm just going to have to buckle down. And I'm coming to see you this weekend. <laughs> but I'm going to work all, a lot on the plane, obviously, and just be working. And you just do what you can. And now that you know it's two weeks, you'll get it done. Whereas- exactly when you have like an indefinite amount of time, it's so much harder, so much harder to work. I know. I remember you saying you wanted 
people to give you deadlines. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah you kind of do. <laughs> I could have been writing this thing forever. But I just realized we talked a lot about my job as a professor, my adjunct job. And I don't think I have like followed up on that, that I did quit because of the logistics and the grading and the thing about not having time to write when you have three kids and you will need to, you know, you need to like plan your life. So it's a great example to talk about that here and to say like, Hey, I tried this thing. I thought it was going to be for me. It's not for me. And then I pulled myself out of it. Because sometimes the fear of quitting things and wondering if you'll regret it, I'm making the wrong choice is like debilitating and you can't, you can't, you're paralyzed with indecision. I know it's true. And I feel like there's all this stuff in the way and all these other projects and all this, like um, what you feel would be the adult responsible thing, because I went to school thinking I would be a professor, that that would be my job. And now I'm just like, it's dragging me down. And that was really hard. It's still hard to kind of not be afraid if it's the wrong choice, even though there's always second, you know, there's like, I can always go back potentially, but I've been scared. I've been scared about everything in my life. I don't know. I've been scared. Like even this podcast, I'm like, is it the right thing to do? And then, but I feel like deep down, I know, I know. I know like what, how things make me feel and how I, and what I want my future to look like. And if you can like, kind of let go of what, of all these outside things and all these like expectations that you think you had, I can be like, no, this is what I really enjoy. And maybe I'm scared of losing it. And this is what I really hate. And I need to lose it. And that's how I felt about teaching. (laughs) And And maybe you'll moonlight as a professor someday and do talks and like, you know, pop in like that, that doesn't take teaching out of your life. It's just it's taking it out of your life right now in the way that's just too heavy. And that's, okay. yes. that's great. Yeah. I think it. I feel really good about it, but there's still this, like, I, I also think it's maybe an ego thing because I like to say I'm a professor. <laughs> I like to say it, you know, but that's okay. It's not working. My <laughs> archetype, my, my therapist who I talk about all the time, who I'm going to talk to later today, she's very, you know, new agey, I'll admit it. But she says my archetype is definitely a teacher anyway. And so I think that it comes down. It's it's nothing I can, I don't have to abandon ship completely. No, you'll always be a professor to me. <laughs> Thank you. Will you introduce me as your friend, the professor? Oh, that this is my <laughs> inspector gadget and professor, <laughs> professor Misha. Is inspector gadget Adam? Because I think he would really love that. <laughs> also Claudio. Oh, well, I'm happy for you. And I'm, I mean, I feel like, look, look at you, you got your leg up. You're you're very relaxed. You're living your best life. This is good. I feel good. And I feel good despite what I, my inner sabotage person or my inner saboteur wants me to be freaked out. I, and I am recognizing that more and more lately, but it kind of leads to a question that we were going to talk about this idea of why of like feeling like things should be hard feeling like you're making mistakes, feeling, you know, all these things that like, um, especially as my books do, I think I kind of have the weight of the world on my shoulders. So those voices can ring in your head, but it doesn't have to be hard. No, no. And I think there are so many things in life that we are taught. I, this actually harkens back to our episode last week with Ali um, and the comment about like thinking that because your parents or their parents or people before you had to like have things be hard for them or be challenging, um, that that's something that has to continue. And 
that's just what we're told. That's what we're taught. Like hard work leads to this or specifically what we wanted to talk about this morning Mm -hmm. is this Atlantic piece about how marriage doesn't have to be hard work. And we need to reframe that. And I think that the author said, rather than hard work, it's more like serious play. I thought that was so profound because I've never, it's hard to say, right? It's hard to say out loud because you don't want to diminish people's relationships or the way that they do things, or, you know, if if you sit down every morning and you have to have a powwow about your emotional state and your life and what, who's going to do what, and that's fine. That's great. That's working for you. Um, if, if you, if you work better structured and your relationship seems to thrive that way, that's great too. But as somebody who has never felt that way, um, and who really truly believes that marriage is for the most part fun, yeah, there, we, of course we have issues. We always have problems. We fight, you know, we do things that we regret. We speak to each other unkindly. Sometimes um, we fight about who's going to take the guard, whatever it's, we have problems, of course, but those problems have never felt bigger than our love for each other and our belief that we are a unit. And this is not something that's optional, right? It's just yeah. like, it's like in the same way that you can't return your children, <laughs> You know, you're like, well, this was a hard day. I didn't love this day, but I still love you and you're still mine. So, right. We're going to, we're going to figure out how to like move past this thing. Um, I want to read this really quickly out loud. What I sent you this morning, because I thought it was really like poignant. So the author of this piece in the Atlantic, she says, as for me, I've abandoned the idea of work in marriage. Instead, I've begun thinking of the primary action of me and my husband's marriage as serious play. I know that might sound frivolous, facile, or even frisky, but I mean play in the way that children interact in a sandbox. Together, they've set out to build something, a castle, a moat, yet creativity is prioritized over productivity. They learn about communication and collaboration from experimenting, not from textbooks and teachers. Their construction can fall apart, but the failure provides space to start anew. Ultimately, their commitment to the endeavor is serious, but the way they collaborate is playful. That's what I want to emulate in building my relationship. She's not wrong. No. Yeah. I, when you sent it to me, I, I wasn't triggered necessarily, but I was thinking marriage is hard work. You know, that's kind of what was ingrained in us. Like she said, she said, I know it's ingrained in you because it's literally what we were taught and we can link the article because it shows how through time the institution of marriage was reframed because for so long it was just familial you were women were given away you know in in certain in many many circumstances and in the vein of building families traditional families and so since that has shifted they there's all this evidence and all these you know the receipts i guess for teaching marriage as a class as a course to for women mostly as the article points out to succeed so to speak at this job yeah and that it's important to look back at history and and learn how things have been structured because it's not necessarily useful or helpful anymore or healthy and so reading the article I felt like she did a great job first of all writing it and, and explaining why she says that but when I think about the idea of marriage as work, it's so there's so many tributaries because it's like there is life is work. And so it's like there are taxes and bills and pickup and all that and all that. And then there's the a real notion of work in marriage, I think, is inner work. 
Because I was thinking that there is really hard work, but most of it is like you have to face your inner demons and your partner has to face their own. That's where the real like work comes in. But is it work or is it growth? Yeah. You know, so there's like kind of the the language around it is is kind of tricky too, because it's life. It's just a life. Like she said, she's like, it's just life. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily that marriage is the work. It's that life is constantly throwing stuff at you and changing and you have to adapt and why not reframe it as your marriage as something fun and enjoyable? It's not that sure. hard. It's not that complicated. You can reframe just about anything in life to be something that's making you better because then you can make even the worst, crappiest responsibilities or disagreements. Um, you can see the value in those uh, and maybe focus on those less. It's like when you have little kids and you tell them like, go clean your room versus, hey, let's make this something fun. Let's turn on music you know, let's turn this thing that we have to do into, I don't know, something that's maybe a little bit less tedious. And that's where I thought, I thought the article was really interesting because yes, you're right. There's work in everything and there will always be work um, in, in raising children. We talk about this a lot on the show about how much work being a parent is. And that's not to say that it's miserable work. It's to say that if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing as a parent, there are hard times, right? Like, if you're helping each other grow, you're raising your children to be good people. Of course there's work in that. Is that bad? No, it's not always negative. It's not always something to fear. Um, and I think the same with, with relationships. I also really liked when she deep dived into sort of where this idea of work came from and that it was really telling women that because it was going to be for you. Like men didn't get married in the fifties because they thought, this is going to be a hard work. They got married because they were like, this person's going to take on all the shit I don't want to do. (laughs) And my life's going to be easier. But they weren't, you know, they weren't telling men marriage is hard work. They were saying, find someone who will take care of you, who will run your household, who will have a drink waiting for you when you get home from the office. And by telling women marriage is hard work, they were more willing to just sit around and do all the shit they didn't want to do and take on more than they should have because that's just the way of things. You know, and now we're we're living different lives. Our relationships are different. Relationships are built on friendship and real authentic collaboration. Yeah, I definitely agree because the divorce rate right shot up after women were allowed to get divorces, after we were <laughs> allowed that, right? You know, after people could get married for love, then that's when the divorce rate shot up to 50% which we don't have to frame as a bad thing necessarily. I don't know. It's like really, it's murky because it's like, is it a failure? Who's, what is it? Is divorce a failure? No. And so it's really complicated because who cares? I don't want to say who cares, but like, I guess I'm going to sound like a a heathen, a heathen, like right. A a horrible, like family list. (laughs) I know the show. I, I know. I know people care about marriage and that it's, it's, it's a holy institution. So I don't want to misrepresent that belief, but at the same time, I guess the the more important question to me would be like, why get married in the first place if 50% of marriage is in divorce and what does it mean to you as a person and what does it mean to make it work or not make it work? Um, And I think that her, the article and reframing it as play is, is the way to go because, because then you can say, even when it feels like a lot of work, you could say, how could we make this fun? (laughs) <laughs> or, yeah. or who cares if the sandcastle crumbles we'll figure it out together and so to me it's really maybe a, a breath of fresh air for our day and age I agree totally and as a quick aside 
statistically women are happy when they are divorced. 27% (laughs) of women only say that they regret the decision. Obviously, like there's a million reasons why relationships don't work out, but you know, if you already kind of feel like I'm getting into this burden, yeah, you don't have to get married. You don't have to have kids. You don't have to buy a house. Yeah, I agree. I think watching our parents too is so important and what we were taught and that patterning. And so this article really spoke to me in that way too, because she mentioned her favorite times were when they were just kind of meandering down the street, taking walks and like just being and like noticing a tree and those kinds of things. And I absolutely relate to that. My favorite times are definitely going to a museum, playing at the beach, um, you know, watching Adam at his job, which is a lot like play. And Mm -hmm. I, so I think that it's a good reminder. It can be easy for me. And I think a lot of people to focus on the negative or focus on what's not working and instead of the opposite. And so I think like focusing on that moment when you're taking a walk and, and noticing what makes you happy in your marriage and doing more of that, as opposed to to keep telling yourself this narrative that it's supposed to be really hard. It's supposed to be really hard work because you can believe what you think even if it's not true. Yeah, that's a great point. And I hope that everybody gets a chance to read the article and just check it out. I don't know. I thought, I thought it was a, it's a quick read. It's literally 10 paragraphs, but um, we should all just keep changing and growing and playing, playing, (laughs) ready to play Misha. (laughs) Yes, We're going to play this weekend. Oh, I'm so excited. I know me too. See you in New York city. And we will, uh, See all of, hear all of you next week. Bye.